0: Everybody, it's time for the Mainland Podcast. We are on episode number 130. I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the Mainland.com. And uh, it's not like we have anything to talk about this week, but uh, just in case we do think of something, I'll bring in my co-host David Rowe up in Tallahassee. Dave, how are we doing this week?
1: Uh, we're doing fine. I think you're right. I mean, it's there's probably nothing really to go over, but we do this every week anyway, so why not?
0: Yeah, it's it's been a slow week. Uh, I'm actually going to mash through the game recap because uh, we have other things to talk about and we've got a full show. We've got some uh, time constraints tonight as we record this, but um, we'll start chronologically with the game at Montreal. This is a match that I had. Uh, A lot of reservations about on the schedule, particularly when we were informed that the team was going to Miami, then Vancouver, then Montreal without coming home. The team has historically not performed very well at all when it's uh, gone from one city to the next directly. And now they've had to do it a three-city tour without coming home. So I figured it was going to be some heavy legs and some uh, some difficult situations. And uh, it did prove to be that way. It didn't really help that there was a, it was a rainy night in Montreal, so uh, the field was heavy. And, of course, probably not a big surprise that the team that traveled 7,000 miles uh, got off to a slow start. Um, Montreal came out with a lot of energy, wanting to get that early goal. And lo and behold, they did that because... Christian Deguida whistled for a, what I thought was a pretty downy soft uh, penalty. Looked like he stepped in front of the player, got the ball first, and then the player ran into him. But the uh, referee saw it differently, awarded a penalty, Nacho Piatti scored, and uh, made everything that much more difficult. Um, Orlando City really took about 20 minutes to get into the game and kind of settle down and, and um, get into some kind of rhythm and have some possession and get some chances. But uh, as we've seen just far too often uh, in the six-game slide now, the the team just, you know, nothing doing in the box, nothing doing in the final third, some difficulties, some uh, some good saves uh, when they've gotten shots on target. Uh, but missing the net far too often and, um, you know, one nothing Montreal at the half was uh, probably pretty fair. Um, and then uh, in the second half, uh, just calamity with Amro Tarek scoring an own goal to make it two nothing, and and you really got the sense at that point that the the legs were gone. There would be no attempt for a comeback. There would be no rally on this particular night. And um, it, it, you know, the, you could see a difference when they brought in some substitutes, Dave. But there was really not anybody able to move in the final 20 minutes for Orlando City other than the people that came off the bench.
1: Absolutely right. It was a utter dismantling, a self-dismantling, uh, of a team. Um, you know, I don't know what it was, probably a combination of a ton of things, including the travel, uh, you know, riding a losing streak, um, everything, um, and then, like you say, not being able to get that final finishing touch to put something in the back of the net, uh, it wears on you uh, as, as a player. And, and, you know, these things, unfortunately, sometimes build unless something jolts you out of it, and it was not to happen that night.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, Piotti puts in a, a late uh, goal to uh, to make it a three-goal game. Um, not really a scoreline that... It was indicative of the way the game was played, necessarily. But uh, I don't think Montreal was three goals better than Orlando City on the night. But uh, third straight loss by three goals, that's never happened uh, to Orlando City before. And in all three cases, uh, you could say probably pretty flattering for the winning team. But nevertheless, it's a three-goal loss. Um, I've never been too hung up on final scores. It's just, did you win? Did you lose? Did you draw? um i don't really care about garbage goals and stoppage time of course i probably would at the end of the season if there's come into play with a tiebreaker but um you know if 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 you're worried about a tiebreaker to get in or not get in the playoffs then you really didn't do your job anyway and you really didn't get the points you needed so uh at that point i really wouldn't complain too much about it to me a loss is a loss and that um uh, you know, it, it, it was frustrating. And uh, again, something that I expected, I think we both, did we both predict, uh, I think we actually may have predicted a draw last week. You, you wrote that down. I don't know if you have that with you.
1: I actually did. Uh, we both predicted, uh, draws. You predicted two, two. I predicted one, one.
0: Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. Cause I, I'd never felt good about that fixture. So, um, yeah, that was that was maybe I was feeling a little optimistic. In fact, on game night, I sat down about ten minutes before the game. I was started to think, I don't know, maybe Orlando City actually wins this game. Like I just got this weird vibe that they were they were due to just sort of break out of the slump and then when the game started i went oh yeah that's right they've been on the road for eight days and traveled seven thousand miles this is not happening <laughs> and um <laughs> sure sure enough it didn't um just quickly i'm going to give you my man of the match you can give me yours uh, i thought tony rocha was probably the best player on the pitch for orlando city which probably says a lot about the way the team played
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I think that he made uh, man of the match in the article also. Uh, He was obviously the best player, um, six interceptions, five tackles. He had some excellent crosses, one of which Dom should have gotten on to. But, um, you know, it, it really was a very good showing from Tony Rocha. So, I mean, good job, Tony. It just so happened to come at a time when nobody else was doing anything.
0: Yeah, I didn't mean to, de- I wasn't trying to denigrate Tony there by saying that tells you a lot about the team, but I think when your left back is as your, as your best player on the night, um, often it, it indicates that your team didn't play very well offensively anyway, and um, you're right, you know, Merrim sent a nice ball to Rocha, Rocha sent a great cross in, and Dom Dwyer finishes that, you know, eight or nine times out of ten, I'm not sure how he missed it, um, but you know that would have been a big moment in the game, and it could have it could have picked the team up when it you know on a night when it was lacking energy and changed the the course of the game, but it did not. So six losses on the bounce, and uh, wouldn't you know it, um, an impatient Orlando City front office says listen to the impatient uh, portion of the fan base, even though you know the team had uh, had lost four of those six. Uh, games on the road and even though the insane amount of travel, this, this was as tough of a road trip you'll ever find in MLS with with going uh, from the <laughs> from the southeast corner of North America to the northwest corner and then to the northeast corner all in one trip. And, um, you know, a lot of this uh, losing streak had um Center backs who weren't center backs playing. Um, there was no Dom for most of it, no Yoshimar Yotun. Um, I think uh, I've been accused of making excuses here for Jason Christ, but I think those are legitimate uh, conditions that would contribute to such a skid. I don't think that it's unfair to say that those are things that cost the team games. Um, and I don't think that Orlando City was completely played off the pitch much. Uh, You know, maybe in a few spurts here and there, uh, certainly like the last five minutes plus stoppage time of Vancouver. Um, But I don't think they were played completely off the pitch during that streak. It was just, you know, the teams we played buried their chances and Orlando City did not bury their chances. And to me, that was the difference. And there was uh, there was certainly some some key pieces missing. I think there were some extenuating circumstances in this uh, in the case of this firing
1: there were all the factors that you mentioned i mean it's you 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 can choose to weight them however you like but they they were there mm-hmm. um and it was a it's the entire time it's been a lack of finishing on the part of orlando city uh, city either goalies making outstanding saves against us or you know like Dom missing on that, that one, it it was, it was a story of that just played out over a six game stretch or Mm -hmm. seven game stretch really. Um, and, and that it's an unfortunate reality that sometimes that happens. And, and, you know, uh, of course, Jason Christ has his part to play in all that, and evidently the front office thought it, that was a big enough part that uh, they decided to part with him. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's always it always interests me when you see something like this because the you know you look at you look at the results. If you're results oriented, you say, "Well, six losses in a row—that's not acceptable. We have to fire the coach." But there was no extension for six wins in a row. So it's very heavily weighted one direction. You know what I mean? Um, And and I just think back to all of the coaches, the great coaches throughout history who became icons that had really crappy first few seasons where they were and how in today's climate, they would never have become legends because they never would have gotten that chance to, to hang around and and write the ship. And I think that it's fair to say that, um, Maybe if you gave Jason Christ to the LAFC game, I I said all year long, even in preseason, that I didn't expect any moves before the All-Star break. Um, But I think if you give him to the LAFC game, now you've got a couple of games where maybe you've got Spectre, Sané, Dwyer all back in the lineup uh, for a couple of games. Maybe you get some gelling going on and maybe you turn this thing around. Maybe you don't. And, and, I, and I totally get where people are coming from when they say, well, they... They couldn't wait anymore. They had to they had to stop the bleeding or whatever. But you're not really stopping the bleeding. I don't think if you have an interim coach for a few weeks while you hire you know, go out and search for a new coach, go through the interview process, bring him in. Um, It looks like they're looking at a lot of uh, potential um, coaches from overseas. That's going to necessitate paperwork just like any player would. Um, You know, it's possible that the new coach might not take over till the end of July. Um, that's a long way to wait, a long way to put your season on hold. Um, so it's a gamble. I mean, it's a gamble no matter what you do. It's people say, well, they, you know, they were risking falling further out of the race. I mean, the team was in the playoff position when Jason was fired, uh, much like, um, when Adrian Heath was fired, uh, he had just gone through a three Oh and three stretch and then lost to FC Dallas on the 4th of July. Uh, and he was actually tied on points for the final playoff spot, but had not uh, didn't he, he didn't have that pesky tiebreaker. So he was uh, one spot below the red line uh, when he got fired. So this this ownership group at least uh, has been consistent. Uh, they don't care if you're hovering right there and you have time to to get things right by the end of the year. Uh, they're just gonna pull the plug and start over and see what's next. Um, I'm not a big fan of transitions. I always feel like, uh, sure, there's the odd situation like Seattle had a couple years ago where um, they brought in Schmetzer, who um, was somebody already within their organization and knew, you know, knew their system, knew everybody, knew the players. And uh, there was a very easy transition from Siggy Schmidt to him. And uh, they got on a roll and they got hot and they ended up winning the championship. That is certainly not the uh, the rule. That's the exception. Um, but, you know. Here we are. We've got a new coach search going on, Dave, and um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. You know, I'm always excited to see what's next. And, uh, you know, in this situation, we we will certainly see if the next person can get this group in uh, in line by the end of the year. Because, you know, a new coach comes in if they want to make you know sweeping changes. As you've seen, it takes a good two, sometimes three transfer windows to get. Everything cycled around to where somebody w- might want it. Now, if the person comes in and likes the personnel, that's great. But I mean, how often does that happen?
1: Right, and it's and if that's the type of person that you're wanting to get, um, you know, how much different are they going to be uh, from Jason? And you know, what what are they going to do differently if they come in? They're like, oh yeah, you know, moving the pieces around is only going to do so much. I think that um, you're right. It's Anytime there's transition, it's tough. And it's, you know, be prepared for more losses, uh, guys, because um, odds are we're not going to have some miraculous turnaround. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But I'd be I'll be well and truly surprised if that's what happened. Um, The good news for us, of course, is that we don't have to hear um, any more Christ uh, hashtag Christ out stuff. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah and I don't have to put up with people misspelling his his name anymore in uh, the comment section well I probably will for a little while till the till things settle down and, and people move on but um the the I before e rule does not work for Christ guys it's it's e first um so you know that brings us to who's the next coach going to be we've heard some rumors um, you know we will have um, Alex Latow will address us Saturday before the game, but I don't anticipate he'll say a whole lot more than what was uh, what came out today, which is that the club hopes to uh, announce a new coach, you know, the name at least next week sometime. I almost I almost would think that that would uh, eliminate some of the rumored names we've heard that are participating in uh, World Cup right now. Uh, because, you know, why would they want that introduced in the middle of their group play? Um, the, the group play doesn't end until the 28th or 29th for, for most, uh, you know, for all the teams. I, some of them finish, I think as early as the 26th, maybe, uh, with their groups. But, um, uh, we've heard, uh, Scolari, who's a, you know, of course the former Brazil manager who, uh, Famously got pasted on home soil in the World Cup 7-1 by Germany. Uh, not that Oof. not that he has not been an accomplished coach and and won where he's you know various places where he's been, um, including in the World Cup. But um, he's going to turn 70 before MLS Cup is given out this year. And I don't I, you know first for for me if I'm if I'm the guy in charge of this organization, I want to find the next. Greg Berhalter, you know, I want to find that guy, you know, um, Caleb Porter has been mentioned, uh, and apparently Orlando has, uh, has gotten permission from the Timbers to, uh, to talk to him because he, um, resigned from that, uh, that team. And I think they still hold some rights as far as, uh, his ability. If he comes back to coach in MLS, uh, they would have that first right. So I think there's, uh, you know he's as strong as, as strong a strong candidate as you might find um also i think there's a, there's an assistant in columbus for greg berhalter that might be a good one i personally think mark dos santos should get a, a, a good look he's a guy who uh led san francisco to an nasl championship and in, in really a lame duck year for the deltas um when they knew they were going to be folding up operations. Um, And he's an assistant under Bob Bradley with LAFC. So he's got a good pedigree. And uh, of course, and a lot of people don't want to hear this because they think they're thinking we need the next Tata Martinez, uh, Martino, but James O'Connor at Louisville city has done great things. He's a great young coach with just a fantastic mind for the game. He's been extremely successful with that franchise and yes, it's a step up and you never know what you're going to get. But, you know, great coaches have to start somewhere and, you know, it could be Orlando City giving him that that uh, opportunity or it could be some other team in the MLS Eastern Conference um, that hires him and tortures us for 10 years with him. So uh, he's a guy that I would definitely look at. And of course, uh, plenty of, of guys overseas that uh, that you could look at as well. Who, who kind of sticks out for you? Which guys do you think um, should get a, a look
1: well, obviously Caleb Porter. I mean, that's a that's a big one. Um, you know, he's got proven success. Um, the you know the question that people then have is, okay, is he, uh, you know, is it all MLS success? And and you know, we tried that with with Jason. Uh, the Scolari thing is interesting. I don't I don't see it happening. If it does, I'll be awfully surprised because, um, you know, like you said, on the tail end of the career, are you really looking for your coach that's you know going to build you back up? Um, over hopefully several seasons, um, you know, when they're about to turn seventy, um, O'Connor, I, I'm with you. I kind of like that. Uh, it is it is risky, but you know what? No matter what they do, it's it's a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that's it's kind of funny. It's on the opposite end of the spectrum uh, from Scolari. Uh, it, you, you got one guy that's uh, in the twilight of his career, and the other guy that's at his beginning. So, um, yeah. I'm. I'm open, you know, just, uh, I, I hope that it's somebody that at least in makeshift format can use the pieces we have, even if they're moving them around a little bit, or maybe realizes that some of the players are better in positions that they weren't played, uh, at under Jason Christ. So it's, um, I don't know. i, I I'm, 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 I'm kind of open right now but uh O'Connor I think w- would be a uh, an interesting choice and of course uh Porter might be the the safe one.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean uh, Caleb Porter is one obviously he's won uh an MLS Cup. He's also uh famously the next year missed the playoffs so um it, it's a really difficult league. There's a lot more parity in this league than there are in most leagues around the the, the, the world if you look around. You know, it's usually the same four or five teams in every league that's got the, the great shot at winning it. Uh, MLS is starting to sort of trend that way, I think, in some respects. But I think there's still quite a bit of parity in this league. So, um, you know, you look around at, at people's winning percentages and, and people are going to skew toward these guys that are, are coming in from other leagues where, you know, maybe if they were in, top, you know, in charge of one of these top clubs, they would uh, they would certainly be. Um, it would be weighted a bit their way and so they would it would certainly have a high high winning percentage if you look at um, for example Scolari's uh, 3 years in China, well, he won 3 championships. Of course the team I think had won something like three or four championships in a row before he got there. So, you know. Yeah, they'd won four, <laughs> yeah. It's it's um, you know, oh congratulations. You've you've maintained a club that was already, you know, outspending and out recruiting everyone else as it was. So, um, But it'll be interesting to see who that person is. Maybe it's somebody we haven't even thought of. Um, But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I just want the team to be successful. So whoever they bring in, I hope that they can uh, look at this roster and say, I can get it done with this roster. I don't need to to overhaul things Um, because I think there are some coaches out there who will say, little old, I'd like to get a younger team in here.
1: Yeah, although I mean it's uh, we have a fairly decent mix of uh, of old and young, but uh, you're right. You know, with the amount of money we're paying for some of the guys, he, uh, the next coach coming in might uh, begrudgingly use uh, some of the older guys uh, until he can figure out a way to to offload them.
0: Yeah, and and the the other thing too that that is a shame is that I think that you know this was a a, a really solid roster overhaul, but it was a huge overhaul in the off season. And, you know, after getting through the first half of the season and, and being above the line, pretty much, uh, you know, it's hard to say if they still would have been there in three games when they or in two games when the actual halfway point comes. Um, would they still be over the line? Not sure. We'll never know if they would have been under Christ or not, but it would be interesting when he knows exactly what what pieces are working, what pieces are not working. Uh, to have given him the opportunity to get that one more window in and see how things kind of progress from there. But, you know, that's that's always going to be the case. You're always going to wonder what somebody would have done with another window. I, I just like the aggressiveness of the last couple of transfer windows. I don't see any, any quit in that. And I think that this team could have um, – you know, taking a big swing again in this, in this uh, window, because they've got some pieces that they brought in that kind of are expensive. They're attractive to other teams that are maybe on the bubble somewhere else. And they may have been able to parlay a a couple of, of, you know, good pieces into what they, you know, what they really needed to, to get over the hump. There's some thought that maybe Merriman and question aren't, you know, they aren't clicking together. Maybe they never will, but, If you take one of those and turn it into something else, you know, that might fix all the problems in in that situation. I mean, Merrim likes to cut inside and question doesn't like to cut to his left. He likes to sort of drift right if he drifts at all. So that kind of um, shrinks the field and kind of cramps that that area. And that's, I think, part of the reason why the team has struggled to score, especially when there's not been a, you know, a a veteran striker like Dom Dwyer in the lineup to, um, you know, make those runs and pull those defensive lines apart so you know it, again uh you know jason was a part of this organization his uh his name will forever be uh stamped in the uh, in the annals in the history of, of orlando city soccer club you know it's uh we, we have that saying forever a lion and um you know we we wish jason well and we we look back fondly on the highs uh, of his tenure you know we had that the big six-one win over New England. We had the six-game run this year. Uh, some pretty exciting wins uh, over the, you know, over the last couple of years. So um, we'll move on and uh, we'll see what's next.
1: Well, he brought Dom back, so that's something.
0: <laughs> yes, he definitely was instrumental in, in helping do that. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the pride in just a little bit, but first we're going to uh, welcome in our, our special guest. We'll get to that right after this. All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we're very happy to have with us from Black and Red United, the uh, D.C. United blog at SB Nation, Jason Anderson joins us. Jason, uh, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Now, I was on uh, your show this week, so I want to ask you um, – we don't really do that here, but um, we probably should. What are you drinking tonight? <laughs> uh,
2: I haven't, I haven't uh, gone home from work yet, so I've just got a um – A can of Coke, uh, one of these little mini cans, um, just to give a little caffeine but not like a full-on cup of coffee at this hour kind of kick. Um, Normally, I'd have something a little more adventurous, but I've still got a drive in front of me.
0: Ah, understandable, understandable. All right, so I want to start out by asking you about the U.S. Open Cup. The, The thing that I look at this and see is I look at the schedule and I see D.C. United does not play this weekend. I'm assuming that means we're going to see the full bore and the full might of DC United at the Maryland soccer plex on Wednesday evening. Uh, is that your, uh, is that your take on it? Do you think that uh, Ben Olsen will run out as starters basically?
2: Uh, more or less. Yeah. Um, I am expecting if not the exact lineup, um, from the game against, uh, Toronto FC, then, uh, at least nine or 10 of those guys. Um, you know, if there's, if there's any rotation, we might see, you know, Steve Clark might get a game uh, in goal instead of David Osted or um, maybe Bruno Miranda plays on one of the wings or Ian Harks plays in central midfield. But I'm I'm not expecting all of those. It might be one here or one there at the most. But um, yeah, I, I think with no game on the weekend and with a season that it hasn't been going as horrifically as uh, maybe some of our fans here actually, you know, when you take out of the bubble, your step out of the bubble, you realize that all things considered with a number of road games they've played, it's not going horribly, um, but it's still a season that could use some sort of um, a little more momentum to get going. So uh, I think they're going to pretty much go 90 to 100 percent all in for this one.
1: Well, that's good news for you guys. I'm not so sure how it is for us, uh, given that, uh, of course, we have a, a match and uh, also being coachless. But uh, that being said, um, uh, what should our listeners know about uh, who to look for um, as far as uh, your key guys? I mean, obviously, you've got Areola, but, you know, who else? who else do you think is, uh, or, or where do you see that coming from?
2: Um, as far as danger up front, um, I've got to say everyone here has been really pleasantly surprised by Darren Maddox. Um, his time in MLS has been very up or down, and you, you see um, over all these seasons he has played in Vancouver and in Portland, um, you see this tendency to get in great positions but then not convert or to get hot for a month and then go ice cold for you know the entire summer, something like that. Um, but we're we're in June and he's been very good and consistently good from the start of the season all, all the way up to now. Um I believe he's on seven goals, which ties his career high, and we're we're only in June. DC's only played um eleven games, I want to say. Um while everyone else has like fifteen. Yeah, DC's on or I guess this is the twelfth game against TFC um over the weekend. So seven goals at that point is a really good strike rate. Um, he's been, it's not just his speed. It's, it's the runs he's making off the ball, the choices he's making, um, have been really good. And, and he's also shown a real knack for, um, of all things, uh, taking the ball off defenders when they don't expect it and creating scoring chances from that. Um, so it, regardless of who Orlando puts on the field defensively, um, or in goal, even I would. You know, if I'm coaching that team, I'm telling those guys like you need to look out. Maddox is going to try and sneak up on you and, and poke the ball away, and um, he's having success at it. He's he's got a knack for it, so um, he's been a a big big positive. Um, and I'd also add in uh, Zoltan Stieber, who even when DC's had bad games, and they've had some really bad ones, um, he manages to make things happen out of very little. Um, you know, it, he's not someone that needs a ton of space to make, uh, make, make things happen for DC, whether it's uh, crossing, um, whether it's going to goal, uh, he's very good on set pieces. His corner kick delivery has been pretty good all season long. Um, in general, he's just, uh, he's not necessarily the fastest player in the world, but he's really, really smart. And he's, he, he's very left footed, but he's really good. He he's been playing on the right, but he still manages to find a way to set himself up to cross with that left foot, even on the right side, Um, sometimes Olsen will switch his wingers and, and Stieber will be more, more, uh, conventional out on the left hooking crosses in that way. But, um, it almost doesn't seem to matter which side he's on. He manages to figure out a way to be dangerous. Um, and his, his connection with Maddox is very good. He seems to know exactly where Maddox is going to go and he has the ability to put the ball exactly where it needs to be so that those two can, uh, can link up. So those are the guys that maybe aren't getting as much attention as Ariola or Yamil Assad um, or Lucho Acosta. Those guys get more of the press, but Stieber and Maddox have been as good or better than anyone on the team.
0: Now, Jason, we haven't seen DC since opening day and, um, mm-hmm. that game kind of you can't take a whole lot away from it since there was a red card in the 41st minute, uh, and it kind of changed things a bit, but, um, What is your impression of what Ben Olsen's done with this squad this year? What is what adjustments over the course of the season has he made in terms of tactics? What has he got them? You know, where does he have them playing well? Where does he not have them playing well?
2: Um, I I would say that as far as formation, things are the same. He's. after that game, actually, there was a maybe a three-four week phase of playing a, a second holding midfielder and going from four-one-four-one to four-two-three-one just to sort of shore things up because the team still looked very unfamiliar. But he's gone back to Plan A um, as far as the formation goes, and I, I think also um, as far as what he wants the team to do, it's just that they're better at it now. Um, which is he wants this team. You know, his reputation is very much a conservative, long balls, um, kind of a Carl Robinson uh, for the East Coast. Um, but I think the the actual soccer that we've seen this year has been very much about transition play, um, attacking quickly, but on the ground, um, trying to break lines, tr- not necessarily stringing a ton of possession together, um, but trying to be as dangerous uh, as possible as quickly as possible. Um, there's a big emphasis on team speed, Um, And I think that was kind of the plan in that first game. It just wasn't that well executed, especially, bizarrely enough, after the red card. It seemed like um, the team that responded to that situation well was Orlando and not D.C. at all. Um, And, and, you know, it it took them some time to to sort of figure that out. Um, So going forward, I think they've they've solved a lot of problems. They've gotten a lot better. In that department, especially since Paul Areola has gone from right winger to number eight, Um, his move into the middle has really opened things up for the attack. On the downside, the defense looks just as rocky as it did on day one. It doesn't they haven't really made much progress. Um, And what's curious is that, you know, normally when you have a bad, bad defense, you think, okay, the leaders of that group are not good. The center backs or the goalkeeper or something there um, but I think the center back pairing of um, Steve Birnbaum and Frederick Briant, it hasn't been great, but it's been OK. Um, it's been viable. Um, David Osted has been more or less solid, um, especially since Steve Clark got a couple starts um, when uh, Osted had a foot injury, uh, a one week foot injury. Clark played really well in his stead and got a little bit of a run and, and Osted came back and since then has been really, really good. Um, the real issue has been the play at right-back and left-back. And right now, United is short um, some starters uh, on, on both both sides. Um, so they're down to O'Neal Fisher and Joseph Mora, and those are the only fullbacks left on the team that are healthy, which um, I know in, in Orlando you guys know all about uh, defensive injuries right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's been an ongoing um, issue where those guys especially are making – individual errors um and and the last couple games it hasn't been as prevalent um but they are still finding ways to make mistakes that cost the team um in, in moments where you know it's a straightforward thing it's not a complicated uh situation and they're coming up short it's more like the balls at your foot clear the ball um and instead of a clearance you just get a sort of um hapless touch and uh that that's one that you know mora's done that a couple times um fisher might go forward and then just sort of get lost upfield and never quite make it back to where he needs to be um so that side of things has been definitely a work in progress and it's not i don't want to pin it all on the fullbacks it it's been the team's ability to defend as a group is also um still a question mark as much as it was in week one where I'm sure you guys remember Orlando with 10 players caused no shortage of trouble for DC. They, they did not know what to do um, in terms of getting a defensive shape that could hold off a 10 man team. And we're still kind of in that place where this team can score goals, but they can't really stop people from scoring on them.
1: Well, given that um, what uh, aspects of Orlando's uh, um, game or, or which players uh, give you pause uh,
2: going into this match? Uh, I'd start with, I I mean, assuming, um, assuming we'll see at least some of the starters, which is, I I know a kind of a mystery at this point. Um, but if Chris Mueller is in the starting lineup, I would be nervous to see him, um, for the simple fact that, uh, he's very persistent, um, very, uh, clever player with the ball, uh, and off the ball and the off the ball thing might actually worry me a little more because I think with him playing on the right side and more, uh, sort of going in and out in certain terms of his focus on games. Um, I think the fact that Mueller is always working and working away at trying to find a way to, to create things eventually that volume of attempts to do something uh, will pan out because Mora is going to take a playoff at some point. Um, so that's, that's a spot that I really worry about. Um, Sasha question has had some good games against DC in the past uh, with the Red Bulls and, He's still a big talent, so um, you know I I I don't know if he's going to play uh, given his age uh, and the fact that there's a game on the the weekend. Um, You know him, those two, and and of course uh, Dwyer. um, His physicality. I don't know if with his um, recent injury issue, if he's going to be able to play back to back like this or not. But um, if he does play, he's usually especially when he was with KC, there there was always this thing where he was being very physical with um, whoever DC had at center back, and it, they always seemed a little off guard by that, even though they, they should have a physical advantage. He's not a big guy. Um, but the fact that he's so he's strong and he's aggressive and he's persistently aggressive, it, it's not just a, a one-off where he's throwing a shoulder in a guy. It's every single play. He doesn't take any plays off. And uh, I think that level of... Um, you know, I, I guess I'm coming back to persistence with this. Um, if you hammer away at this D.C. attack or this uh, defense, they they tend to cough something up. And, and that's what I worry about as much as anything is just, um, you know, this is a hardworking um, Orlando attack. If, if you get those starters in and if eventually uh, <laughs> eventually it's going to pan out because this group from D.C., we, we just haven't seen the defense uh, earn our trust in that regard.
0: Now, this is obviously. It was interesting to me that that DC had um, applied to host this game, considering um, you know the the new stadium isn't open yet. This game's going to be at Maryland Soccer Plex. What can you tell our fans about Maryland Soccer Plex? Uh,
2: the Soccer Plex is a great place to go to a game. Once you get there, um, it is not close to DC. It's not just outside. It's Um, a solid 45 minutes to an hour from DC. Once you factor in traffic Um, on top of that, I've been keeping track of the weather because uh, I I cover the Washington spirit and they play all of their games up at the Plex and the weather in that area, for whatever reason, it's just a little pocket that it just seems to, if there's storms coming through, they get the worst of it. Um, And there are storms coming through tomorrow, uh, according to the local forecasts and, um, the soccerplex has a uh, lightning detection system that is uh, stronger than most. It, it goes out uh, a 10-mile radius uh, from the stadium, and if there's a lightning strike anywhere in that radius, an alarm sounds and everyone has to leave. And there's you know you have your lightning delay in in place. Um, and I've been through a lot of lightning delays at the soccerplex, and so I look at the forecast tomorrow. I see the little Thunderstorm signal and, and the symbol in it says 50%. And I think oh, 50% at the soccerplex means like 80% chance of a, a thunderstorm. <laughs> um, so I honestly would advise Orlando fans watching this to to sort of prepare yourself for the possibility of having a delay, having to go find something to do for half an hour or 45 minutes while we wait until the, uh, the ordinance is met and you can come back in and start the game up again because um, – It just is something that happens there. I've already been through a five-hour lightning delay uh, at the plex in the last month um, covering the spirit. So it's just something that happens up there. I I don't get it. I don't know enough about uh, meteorology or uh, geography to explain it, but it is a thing that goes on. Um, The only the, the positive I will say is that even if it rains a ton. The field drains really well, and it's always kept in a very good condition. So that side of things should be fine. It's not going to turn into a mud pit or anything. Um, it's just a matter of can can they get the game in in time? Um, there's a the stadium's in a neighborhood, and it's there's a um, the ordinance I think requires games to be finished, and the light the stadium lights need to start being turned off at like 11 p.m. Um, so if you run into a lightning delay for a game that starts at seven, you start to find yourself looking at that curfew pretty quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to have two of our uh, our own mainland writers are going to be in attendance in the stands, not in the press box for that match. So I will make sure that they get there early since they uh, they'll have to fight traffic. Before we let you go, Jason, you know, you touched on the fact that you you um, you follow the spirit quite closely. And of course, uh, the Orlando Pride will be visiting the Plex uh, for uh, Saturday night for. A game against Washington Spirit. Uh, how do you see that game shaping up? And uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the you know the the battles to watch in that match?
2: Uh, well, the, the last time Orlando came up, um, they were without uh, Alex Morgan. I believe she was. I think that was the week she had a concussion. Um, Marta was not there as well. Um, I think actually that was when all the Brazilians were unavailable. So um, it was a it was a pretty shorthanded Orlando team. And the spirit had most of their players available. Um, and Orlando came in and made it really difficult. Um, I know Tom Sermani felt that they probably could have taken something from the game. Um, they played really well for about 80 minutes. They let their guard down. Uh, Malpugh got the ball in space. And unfortunately for Orlando, if you let Malpugh have the ball in space, you probably end up giving up a goal. Mm -hmm. Um, she's not going to be available for this one. Um, she's dealing with a knee injury. Um, the Spirit actually have quite a few attacking players that are dealing with various um, various injuries that, that won't that don't look like they're about to alleviate during this coming week. Um, lately, the Spirit they're coming off of two straight zero-zero draws, um, which sound like you know at least they got the stout defensive side in, but really um, Aubrey Bledsoe, uh, formerly of the Pride. One player of the week based on the fact that she had to stand on her head in both games to keep that zero. Um, so right now, you know, with Orlando having those big name players available, um, I would be I would be feeling pretty confident um, if I were Orlando. That, but I would say that the Spirit are recovering some confidence. Um, the fact they got two results in a row, regardless of um, the quality of of the performances, the fact is they got. Two zero zero draws, one of them against Seattle, who are very good. Um, They're they're starting to feel a little bit better about themselves. Um, Franny Ortega is back. Uh, She should be, she played 45 minutes this weekend and should, I would expect her to start, um, which is a big addition. Um, Rose Lavelle has been building her minutes up, Um, though there was some sort of issue with, you know, she had her hamstring iced uh, as part of her. slow recovery from the the injury that took place in September of last year. And, you know, she wasn't walking too easily. So I don't know if she felt a tweak and they're cautious about it. Well, you know, they don't like to tell us too much when it's an injury involving uh, the national team. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see if, if she can play or not. She, she looked in the, her 45 minutes against Seattle, she looked sharper than she has. She looked like she's starting to recover some of the soccer side of things. So if, if the spirit can field, an attack with Lavelle or Ashley Hatch, and Estefania Benini, then they start to get more dangerous, and maybe they don't have to rely on just being, you know, very physical. They've been two two straight games that where they've had to play very physical and be more conservative just to to hang on. Uh, hopefully, for the aesthetic side of things, they can start to progress out of that. But um, they're also in a situation where they've got to find a way to get results because they're still far behind everybody else. So. If they can't get it done on the soccer side, you know, don't be surprised if they turn physical to try and grind a game out, because when you're in eighth place at this point in the season, you've got to find some way to catch up to the rest of the group.
0: Right. Well, the, uh, the spirit have always played the pride, very, very tough. It's always been very, very tough to score goals on the spirit for the pride. They should have potentially everybody, including Camilla available. Uh, Camilla has just returned to full training. She was, um, she was held out of the lineup uh, this past weekend, but she may be on the bench this week, if, uh, depending on whether or not Marta can go the full 90. It's uh, She's recovering from a calf injury, and she really changed the complexion of the game over the weekend um, with Sky Blue. Uh, before, you know, last question, give me your score predictions for both the U.S. Open Cup game and the Pride at the Spirit.
2: Uh, for the Open Cup, uh, I'm going to go... um dc Uh, games tend to get very weird at the plex um especially dc's open cup games there so um i expect you know this is already a team that can score and can't defend so i lean high scoring with them anyway um don't be surprised if this one is a you know down to the last moment um you know maybe orlando's missing a chance at the last second in my in my prediction um but, yeah, I do, I do think D.C. will win that. Um, as far as the Spirit game, um, I think a full-strength Orlando is just a little bit too much for Washington these days. So I'm going to go 2-1 Pride um, in that one, especially, you know, even if Marta comes in as a sub, I suspect that's a um, that's a game-breaking sub for, for the Spirit. I don't know that they can quite contain her, even if we're talking, you know, 15, 20 minutes.
0: All right, Jason, where can people find you on the interwebs?
2: Uh, I, my personal account is at chest Rockwell one, four, because there were too many Andersons and I gave up very quickly, um, (laughs) when I was supposed to pick a name. Um, I also tweet a lot from the site account, uh, which is at black and red you, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on there maybe more often than I should be. Um, and, uh. (laughs) My uh, my writing is up on the site under my actual name, um, so yeah, you can you can find me at any of those places and and probably some other places as well.
0: Yeah, you can and you can hear their uh, their filibuster podcast on iTunes or any of the the normal places, uh, and I'm on with them this week. Although don't let that stop you from giving it a listen. <laughs> uh, Jason Anderson from Black and Red United, thanks so much for being with us on the podcast, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
2: Thanks a lot, guys. I Appreciate it.
0: Right, uh, big thanks again to Jason Anderson for being with us, and uh, just it was cool that it kind of worked out that uh, Orlando City is playing DC United and the Pride are playing the Spirit in the same week, so uh, two birds, one stone, Dave.
1: Absolutely, hey, you know, uh, kismet uh, doesn't happen very often, so uh, good for us, and, and also be able to have Jason on. He was he was great.
0: How serendipitous, indeed. Okay, uh, before we get to the mailbag, let's talk a little bit about the pride we were going to do that usually we do that in the first segment but uh, we're running a little short up against our uh, time to have Jason on so uh, the pride of course uh, returning home and um, you know the the international break ended with uh, Ashlyn Harris and Alex Morgan returning to the fold and uh, you know the pride went out against the winless Sky Blue FC and they kind of played like they thought they would just wipe up the field with them because it was a pretty ugly game overall uh, Orlando Pride looked like they would uh, at times looked like they would run away with it, but continued to uh, turn down the wonderful opportunities that Sky Blue presented uh, in front of goal. And uh, uh, it was kind of back and forth as a result with uh, uh, Sidney LaRue getting her first home goal with the Pride, uh, then uh, conceding on a ridiculous turnover, then Sidney LaRue restoring the lead on a nice header, and then another goal out of nowhere for no reason. And uh, it just kind of went like that. Uh, and in between those uh, goals, there seemed to be three or four opportunities for Orlando to score two or three more. And um, so it was two, uh, two for a very long time. And then as we, we spoke with Jason uh, Marta came in off the bench and completely changed everything, Dave, because as soon as she stepped on the bench, the movement was crisper, quicker, the, the passes were more accurate and they were quicker and the the, the the team just looked like an entirely different squad.
1: She made people look silly, which is <laughs> which is what she does. But as I was watching it, I was telling my girlfriend, I, you know, I was like, OK, whenever Marta would get the ball, I was like, OK, just watch her because she's going to do something either right or incredibly cool and she did um it was you know obviously she she didn't have to run the whole game so when she did come on you're right i it i think it gives the team confidence i think it makes the other team feel less confident because you know you're talking about one of the greatest women's soccer players of all time who still has it Mm -hmm. and um you know she she definitely showed it that night um larue evidently um, the whole uh, scoring when you want runs in the family uh, because she's been on a tear lately and uh, you know, good to see um, that header that she got was, was, was well done. I mean, that was not an easy, uh, that was not an easy goal. So Mm -hmm. I I thought that one was outstanding. And of course, um, you know, you mentioned that we did finally get the winner with uh, Rachel Hill and, and she's been playing phenomenal as well. So it's um, this, but not you know. Yeah, you're right. They could have run away with it a lot more than they did. But um, a win's a win. And if you can play like that and maybe not at your best and still still get the points. Well, that's there's nothing but goodness there.
0: Yeah, I thought Hill might get a goal of the week nod with not not that. I mean, Radcliffe's goal was unbelievable. It was definitely deserving of ga- a goal of the yeah. week in the NWSL. But Uh, I I thought there would be a a lot of play for the winning goal from the pride because of the way it came about. I mean, if you watch the build-up, Marta dribbles through three people like they're not even there slides, Alex Morgan down the left side. Morgan makes it just probably the cross of her life. Just perfectly placed uh, for Rachel Hill. All she has to do is get her Chrome on her dome on it. And she got her dome on it put it in the net. And it was a game winner. And it was just a fantastic goal. Maybe, certainly one of the top three or four best goals and maybe the best goal of the season for the pride.
1: Oh, no doubt. Um, And like you said, it all started once again, we go back to uh, uh, Marta and it all started with her. And and that was one of those things where I said she made people look silly because she just danced through them. I mean, there's no other way to to say it. And and if you didn't watch that game, if you could find it, go back and watch. Even if you just watch from when Monica came or uh, when Marta came on and you know, just watch it. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it was, it's a joy uh, sometimes to see her work.
0: Yeah, it really is. And even in the closing stages of when the, uh, the team was closing out the game and, and winding time down her, her going into the corner and just dancing and, uh, making behind the back yeah. passes with her back leg. And it, it just, uh, it, it was, it was something, it was really great. And, uh, it was good to have Marta back and hopefully she'll be able to go the full 90 at the uh, at the Maryland Soccer Plex against the Washington Spirit, because the team really was shorthanded in that first meeting. The first trip up there, no Australians, no Brazilians, no Alex Morgan. Um, it was a <laughs> virtual who's who of, of people missing. I mean, it was an all star team missing uh, for the pride. And they they did play a good game there in terms of holding the spirit um, and and, of course, uh, had a couple of big Chances that were saved and a couple of near misses. But, um, uh, you know, that 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 was a sucker punch. It really looked like they were going to hold on and get a point there and they didn't. And uh, uh, well, they've they've had points in eight out of nine now after the Sky Blue game, Dave. So Tom Cermani has the team uh, more or less dialed in, even though they played poorly uh, against Sky Blue, they still won the game and um you know it was interesting to see tom and talk to him after the game because he was you would think that his team lost the game the way he was just not happy with the performance he was not happy with the you know the 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 way that the game went he was very concerned that the team could very well have lost that game if the circumstances had been a little different Uh, sky blue missing a couple of shots late in the game just a a few feet wide carly lloyd had one of those chances and uh, you know really it was it was all to do with the pride because they they missed so many opportunities. I, I don't want to beat a dead horse. We talked about Chia Bogogoo before and her getting into the final third and either making a wrong decision or uh, making a poor pass or, or missing the net or shooting right at the goalkeeper. And these things, most of those were on display on uh, Saturday because uh, she had opportunities. She had a wide open net basically to shoot at that Emily van Eggman gave her. She missed the net. Um, She had uh, another opportunity to play Alex Morgan in, you know, for a layup with uh, with the keeper nowhere near. And, you know, those opportunities were wasted. And I know a lot of people want Rachel Hill to start. And I know that Tom likes her energy and her, her, um, you know, speed off the bench. But at some point, if uh if it comes down to starting one or the other at some point you got to get your best players on the pitch to start the game and rachel hill has played better than chi obogu this season
1: oh without a doubt um you know rachel has been fantastic she's she's scoring goals she's uh like you said she's coming on as that speedy uh you know person in the second half but uh you know, she's pretty quick anyway. I'm, I'm sure she'll, she'll be quick if she starts as well. Um, it's, I'm not surprised that, that Tom was, as upset. I mean, he knows that if this team is clicking, they can rain down goals upon the, uh, the opposition. And I, I think that's probably where he felt that, you know, like you said, they just the missed opportunities to truly put this, uh, the game away. And, and it's, It's something that you've got to do. I mean, there's, there's parity in the league and, you know, I mean, there's a couple that are maybe a little bit above, including Orlando, but it, you can't, you can't sleep on anybody as we saw.
0: Yeah. And especially a team with, with skilled players like Savannah McCaskill, like uh, Carly Lloyd, obviously Um, there's some quality on that team. I I saw Imani Dorsey just signed a full contract with the team and she was outstanding at the college cup this past year. Um, they're, this is a team, Sky Blue, that has has they haven't won a game, but they've they should be in every game, and they were definitely in that game, but it was not really much of their doing, so much as it was of Orlando letting them hang around. I mean, Orlando should have scored five or six goals in that game, so I don't think it'll be a long-term problem. I think um, you know when Marta gets back in the starting lineup, that's going to help. I think certainly when Camilla is uh, match fit, that's going to help. Um, this is a team that's capable of putting it all together and we saw them do it last year at the end of the year. And if this team starts clicking at the end of the season, it it might just steamroll right through the playoffs because it hasn't played its best soccer yet. And it's, you know, not for 90 minutes anyway, it's played like the second half at Chicago when they won that game five, two, that was pretty close to what we, what this team's capable of, but it's still not even, not even at that level.
1: No, and I can't wait for it to start clicking. Um, and I think that uh, you know, getting people back healthy and and um, just having everybody available will, and getting some time together will allow that to happen. And then you know, we we talked about maybe some um, personal changes, at least as far as who starts and whatnot. Uh, Tom will Tom will figure it out. I mean, he did last year. I have confidence in him, um, and then I have absolute confidence in the players.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so we'll see what happens with the Orlando Pride at the Washington Spirit this weekend. They uh, probably be looking to look back Probably be Malorie Pew. Um, I expect Spirit to physical. They always, always are, and Orlando's going to have to deal with that. And hopefully uh, Sydney LaRue will give a little bit of that physical play back and uh, and stay on her uh, her strong run that she's on right now. She's been in pretty tremendous form. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, All right. Let's get to our mailbag, Dave. We've got a few questions. Uh, If you can ask us anything here at the mainland and you can do that uh, one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland and uh, make sure you spell main M-A-N-E. And uh, you can just hit us up with that hashtag #AskTMLPC. The other way you can do it is email us. The mainland at gmail.com is our email address. You can uh, certainly ask your questions there. And let's start in that, uh, let's start in the mail, the mailbag, in the mailbox, I should say, on uh, on the Gmail. Uh, we have a question from Lee. Lee uh, likes to email us, and I, I, I it's, it's, it's kind of comforting when you get some
1: regulars (laughs) it is well friend of the podcast
0: exactly um okay here we go lee wants to know given their respective performances a hat trick for one while a bunch of meh for the other in their first games of the world cup uh have your opinions regarding the comparative greatness of messi and ronaldo now changed either present or spanning their entire careers
1: no (laughs) <laughs> I'm not gonna let uh, I'm not gonna let one group stage uh, game determine how you know I think about two of the you know obviously the greatest players uh, to play the game and and I hate saying that I'm not a big uh, Ronaldo fan but um uh, yeah it, it's look it's soccer stuff happens Messi Messi missed he hit the wall okay you know it doesn't mean that you know Argentina is not going to go on to do. Uh, good things. Mm-hmm. And okay, Ronaldo made his goal. Great. That's what he does. That's what he gets paid to do. Um, but no, it's, uh, you know, it's not going to uh, th- that, those, those pair of games is, is not going to uh, affect um, my feelings towards either of those guys.
0: Every player has good games and bad games. Even the best players uh, have bad games from time to time. doesn't affect my opinion either. I think that, um, you know, Ronaldo certainly had one for the ages in their opener and he had to, to get them a point in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, Messi didn't, uh, didn't quite have it. His, his normal stuff, but you know, this is really not new. His missing a penalty. He's kind of missed a few penalties recently for club and country. So maybe, you know, give someone else a chance. They got other good players on that team. I don't know.
1: Just yeah. <laughs> but you do, you, you do that. And then that person misses and then you really hear about it.
0: Yeah, you do. But in the end of the, day, day you're going to hear about it one way or the other and um you know i I don't think it takes away from what either of those players have done and i don't even get i don't get caught up in the whole which one's better situation because they're they're very different players in terms of stature and style so um you know it's like it's like picking between a you know a power forward and a point guard who's a better player um it's it's kind of uh you know depends on on your leanings it's it's all opinion and i think they can both be co-best players in the world and and i think that's perfectly uh, valid way to look at it so thanks lee for that question he also wants to know how this is actually i'm great i'm glad that he, he asked this question he says how could you leave crooked can in downtown winter garden off your list of the best local breweries first rounds on me if you guys have never tried it well unfortunately lee I have tried it. So the first round, unfortunately is not on you. Cause I would really love for the first round to be on you. Uh, but actually I've been to the cricket can a few times and I do like it quite a bit. In fact, I was there for father's day. Uh, I went there, oh. I had a few beers and, uh, you know, met, met up with my daughter and her boyfriend, um, out there. And, uh, you know, the whole family was out there and we, we spent a few hours just talking and having food and, and uh, having a few beers. So um, I went with a bunch of sour beers this time because it was a hot day and we were sitting outside. So uh, I
1: have uh, I have also had my uh, run ins with Crooked Can. I haven't been to the brewery yet, uh, but they have uh, the owners have actually been up here at uh, uh, one of my favorite watering holes, growler Country. And I had the opportunity to meet them and talk to them. And funny enough, uh, one of the articles I wrote Actually, um, I don't know if it inspired Orlando to contact them, but that's one of the reasons why you can get Crooked Can uh, in Orlando City Stadium.
0: Yeah, Nice. So we, we're well aware and we enjoy their product. So thanks. For, thanks for the uh, questions, Lee. Also in the uh, Gmail box. Mason writes to us, wants to know, uh, he says I hey, love the podcast and all the, the stories that are put out daily. So thanks for that, Mason. My question is, do you think with the coaching change and all the defenders getting healthy, we could potentially see a three in the back lineup or five in the back uh, for Open Cup or against Montreal to help stabilize the defense while we wait for our new coach? Um, last coach change, Bobby Murphy, seemed to get very defensive with Orlando City having higher caliber defenders this time around. Do we see such formation? Um Mason, I think you're going to see a 4-2-3-1. I think that's what we're going to see. We saw it all four games. Bobby Murphy coached uh, the first time around. That's what the team's been playing all year uh, since about game four. So I think you're going to see a 4-2-3-1. Dave, do you see any changes coming?
1: I am in agreement with you. Bobby Murphy's job is not to go in there and make all kinds of big sweeping changes. His job is to try and steer the ship uh, as Well, as he can, while the, the rest of this unfolds.
0: Yeah. And I think also with, um, with regard to that change, if a new coach comes in and wants to run that system, we're going to need more center backs because I don't think any of the, uh, I think maybe RJ Allen could play a three in the back sort of style, but I don't think too many of the guys could, I think I would be hard pressed to put Chris Schuler outside in a, and have him have to cover more space with his pace, Um, and certainly you would want more guys healthy, uh, just in case something happens like what we saw in the first part of the season. (laughs) So, uh, thank you Mason for that question. Um, I hadn't really thought too much about it, but yeah, I think Bobby Murphy stays the course. Uh, that brings us to our Twitter questions. Dave, we have a few of those. Um, EJ Manuel Miranda wants to know, uh, do you think Jose Villarreal or Merrim will become productive starters under a new system or coach? Um, I'm going to start this by saying, I think Justin Merham's already a productive starter. He's got a goal and three assists. That's not nothing. Um, but he has been inconsistent. Um, well, whether he will become more consistent or not, I don't know. It's again, a, maybe a product of not fitting well next to Sasha question. I'm not sure. Um, but I guess we'll get another coach's take on it. And it'll be interesting to see if things, uh, sort of click for him. As far as Jose Villarreal is concerned, I think he's shown that he's, he's got some flash in him and he's got some, uh, some great energy that he brings to the pitch. And I'd really like to see some more of him, um, especially off the bench. So uh, late in games when the other team's tired, I think he's a guy who could really, um, you know, do some damage. So I would like to see him uh, get a little more playing time. I, with the current roster, I just don't see him breaking into a starting role. So yeah, um, that's, that's how I see it. Dave, do you see it differently?
1: Um, no, uh, you know, this is one of those questions where the, the answer is yes. And the answer is no, uh, cause <laughs> we have no idea who the coach is going to be. So it, it makes it impossible to really say, um, you know, Merrim is a, is a consummate professional. He is going to, you know, give a hundred percent all the time. So, you know, he may have off games. He'll have good games. Uh, I agree with you. I think he is productive. Um, uh, and I agree that maybe, uh, the situation hasn't been ideal for the way he plays. Um, if something switches up there, that could, that could make a difference. Uh, Jose has done great coming off the bench. I've, I've enjoyed, you know, these last couple you know games. I think he's, he's done really well. And I agree. I'd, I'd love to see more of him. Hopefully we'll get to see some of, uh, more of him um, uh, at the uh, game against DC United. So um, it's, uh, you know, it would, it would take uh, quite a bit of a, a weird coaching thing to, for him to break into the starting lineup. But, uh, you know, then again,
0: who knows? Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks EJ manual for, uh, for that, um, question. Jad wants to know, what do you guys make of the Scolari? Kaka coming to Orlando news. Uh, we've talked about Scolari quite a bit. Kaka news or that rumor was shot down by Alex Latow earlier today. Uh, as we record this on Tuesday night, he said that, um, there's no position right now in the organization for Kaka. They've talked about bringing him back, but he's doing his own thing right now. And, um, no, there won't be, that won't be happening. So that's made the news that won't be happening. We talked a little bit about Scolari earlier, but just to recap, uh, you know, he's a name. He might gain the respect. Uh, he might be able to bring in some, some signings. On the other hand, he's going to be 70 this year. Uh, he's not a long-term solution and, um, you know, I'm kind of a more of a long, long range plan kind of guy. So um, that's my take. Uh, anything to add, Dave? Nope. Well said. All right. And a uh, question from R.J. Allen, who is a, a fine uh, journalist who covers women's soccer primarily. Um, historically in the NWSL, where do the pairing of Morgan and Marta rank?
1: Wow. um well, it's going to have to be up there. I mean, just by by virtue of, of Marta alone, uh, let alone you know Alex being one of the uh, more prolific uh, U.S. players. Um, in exact standing, I don't know. Are they are they top five? I certainly think so. Um, and I, it kind of depends on what happens, you know, the rest of the year or however long they're able to be together.
0: Yeah, I, I think that they it's kind of hard to quantify, you know, what, how do they rank? Because I'm not sure what you mean. Do you mean in goals, you know, there's a finite number there that I'm sure other tandems have had more in NWSL, but uh, in terms of star power, I think that's about as good as it gets in terms of the, the global stage uh, and Alex Morgan and a Marta right in there playing on the same team and, and, and often playing right next to each other on the same line. Um, is pretty special and we're enjoying it even though, you know, Marta's probably lost a step or two over the years and, uh, and Alex has had, you know, injury issues and probably isn't in her finest form at the moment. But I think we got a taste of it last year when both of those players were really on their game and, and it would have been nice to have seen maybe four years ago, you know, that same tandem would have been yeah. just unstoppable, I think. So uh, RJ, thanks for the, Uh, question and keep up the great work uh, that you do uh, all over the place. Um, RJ is a very, very busy uh, person who um, who does a lot of stuff like uh, backline soccer, 123rd minute, uh, quick kick news, attacking half. All these podcasts does all kinds of stuff at the NWSL. He's
1: almost as busy as you are. That's a she. Oh,
0: sorry. (laughs) All right. And and not to be confused with the R.J. Allen, by the way, that plays for Orlando City. Uh, I probably should have specified that. Yeah, it have been good. Our own Brandon wants to know, with it being the one-year anniversary of his passing, what's your favorite Tony DiCiccio memory, personal experience, or otherwise? Do you have a Tony DiCiccio memory?
1: I do not, so I'm going to have to defer to you on this one.
0: I personally do not ever pay attention to coaches. Um, it's as as much of this podcast as we've devoted to talking about a coaching change and a coaching situation, I tend to focus on the players. So I couldn't even uh, begin to come up with something, uh, really, um, you know, in terms of what would be my, my moment of, of Tony's. I, I certainly respect, uh, what Tony did in the game for sure. And, um, you know, of course, uh, He was also a a pretty uh, knowledgeable sounding broadcaster whenever uh, he was doing broadcasting. But, um, you know, he was a U.S. coach in the 90s. And, uh, you know, the U.S., of course, had uh, quite a a few, um, you know, pretty great moments in the 90s. So, um, you know, I guess you got to go with the World Cup. Ninety nine World Cup.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. I, I think this is the perfect opportunity for the listeners to actually go comment on the uh, the mainland site where this uh, podcast article is, and and comment. And you let us know.
0: Yeah, tell what us you what you think it is. Are. Absolutely. Thanks to Brandon for his question. Does uh, Mark Johnson have a question this week?
1: Mark Johnson does not have a question this week. He is skating the thin line, a friend of the podcast.
0: That's okay, because this is going to be a long segment. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So with all of that out of the way and all of that done, uh, by the way, there's no new five-star uh, reviews on iTunes for me to read. So that's uh, helpful, too, in terms of time. Um I guess we'll start. We've got two games to talk about, Dave, matchups, uh, key matchups and predictions. Let's start with the U.S. Open Cup game uh, Orlando City at D.C. United at the Maryland Soccerplex. Where do you see the key matchup being? And a final score prediction from you, if you please.
1: Uh, key matchup is uh, simply how the team is going to handle the firing of Jason Kreis. Um, um, are they going to go out and do it on their own? Or are they doing it for uh, Murphy or personal pro pride you know uh, are they able to you know pull it all together despite all these distractions i think that's probably the biggest thing that they're going to have to deal with um as far as prediction i think that the combination of, of that and being away again um unfortunately I'm, I'm going to predict a 2-1 loss uh for the lions in this one
0: All right. My key matchup for this one is going to be, of course, it's difficult to give player names because we don't really know who's going to be playing. Uh, I'm going to assume that a lot of the starters play for both teams. And um, because I know, you know, D.C. has nothing to lose by playing starters. They don't have to play on the weekend. They haven't played for, I think, 10 days, I want to say. So they've got full rest. They're going to get or they're going to have 10 days before their next game. I think maybe a week. Yeah, it's been a week since their last game and 10 days to their next game. They have no reason not to run out their their top lineup. Uh, it would uh, keep everybody sharp. Anybody's maybe has a little bit of a knock, they might sit. But other than that, I think we're going to see their top lineup. So whoever plays for Orlando City, I think it's the defensive midfield and back line facing that uh, really strong midfield of Acosta and Assad and Areola uh, and Stieber. That is going to be where I think the game is won or lost. Those four are pretty formidable midfielders, and uh, it's going to it's going to take uh, 90 minutes of concentration to keep them from playing uh, Darren Maddox into dangerous situations. So that's my key matchup. Unfortunately, I'm uh, this this team's in a lot of turmoil. I'm going to say 3-1 DC. They've been scoring a lot of goals. Orlando City has not been scoring a lot of goals. Um, maybe Dom Poach is one. And uh, and it ends up in uh, the ousting of Orlando City from the U.S. Open Cup or uh, D.C. has a pretty strong record over the years in uh, in Open Cup play. So going on the road will be difficult and they're not used to playing home games. So they're going to really be excited about it. So that's just how <laughs> I see it. Um, and Dave, same questions. The Montreal Impact head to Orlando City Stadium on Saturday. We've just seen what they can do. Um, they're a team that has not played well most of the year. They obviously played quite well enough to win last week. And uh, what do you see as your key matchup there and your score prediction?
1: So um, key matchup is, is going to be uh, the offense in particular um dom uh mueller sasha uh whether they can start communicating and finishing off the chances um that hopefully uh they'll be creating uh against montreal's defense basically we just need to score some goals um i think that uh they'll have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after the last game i think they will play better uh overall um, sadly, I don't think that'll play better enough to get the win. However, the losing streak, I think we'll lose. It'll be a two, two draw just because.
0: All right. Um, my key matchup for Montreal is Piotti against again, against uh, <laughs> all 11 Orlando City players. No matter where Piotti is on the pitch, all 11 guys have to be aware of him um he's the guy they got to stop and that is that's the key to to stopping the impact i said it last week it's that he's you got to deny him the ball because once he's on the ball he's so hard to get it away from and he's so quick to make just a subtle move to free himself up to make a pinpoint accurate pass or get a shot off um he's quick he's always quicker than he looks for some reason and um you know i think you got to stop piotti I am going to say, uh, you know, you took my 2-2 draw, which is what I was going to say. I was going to say, finally, the bleeding stops, and it's not a loss. But now, um, since you said it, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Montreal victory. I just, I don't don't know. I mean, you know, I might change how I feel after I see the team play at D.C., but um, for right now, it's just... uh, It's hard for me to envision a team in limbo. And I I know Bobby did some some decent work last time he took over and got three draws out of four games. Um, And really, one of those draws should have been a win. Uh, Julio Batista missed a uh, penalty at Vancouver that would have uh, would have been a winning goal. Um, But at the same time, uh, I mean, they fell behind two nil at Columbus. They rallied to get that draw. They drew against uh, Houston. Uh, I mean, so, you know, the odds are that Bobby Murphy's going to get a draw. But since you predicted a draw I, and I don't I, and I'm I'm back on the I'm not predicting a win till they get one. I'm gonna OK. Go, I'm going to go two one Montreal. So anyway, hopefully we're uh, we're wrong and it's a victory.
1: Yes. But this time we'll remember because I'm writing this stuff down now. Yes,
0: uh, writing it down's good. good. It's also bad because then we can see how poorly we did.
1: Well, yeah, but we already think that we do poorly, so this will just prove it.
0: Okay, well, Dave, that about wraps up episode number 130 of the mainland podcast. We uh, we got through it. we did a lot today.
1: Yes, we did. <laughs> Good job.
0: All right, so uh, you we'll be back next week to talk about uh, two Orlando City games, obviously. We'll be uh, talking about the pride at the spirit. Uh, maybe we'll have some coaching news by uh, the time we talk next week or a name or who knows, who knows what could happen. Um, but uh, we will definitely be back to talk it all out next week. And uh, so uh, we will we will take our leave for episode number 130. We'll say please look at our stuff and read it on uh, the mainland uh, Please subscribe to this podcast. Uh, hear audio podcast if you're just downloading it willy-nilly it would be actually more helpful if you go to itunes and uh and subscribe and uh, also if you could leave us a nice five-star review and uh tell us what you like about the show we'll read it on the air that would be a big help as well and uh you know like us on facebook and follow us on twitter and all that good stuff Uh, you are at mainland dave david rowe that's correct. And I am at Mainland Michael, and you can find us on Twitter. You can, of course, follow the Mainland at The Mainland. So we'll be back next week to uh, hopefully discuss a couple of wins. Uh, but I don't know if we will be. I don't know if we'll be <laughs> discussing wins.
1: Uh, Regardless, we'll be discussing yes, something. Yes, we'll
0: be discussing something. That's that's a good way to put it. Uh, so on behalf of David Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off. The way I always do by saying go city and go pride.